0: Good evening. Please open in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Just a word for the children. It's so good to see you all. You are always welcome to worship with us. Good to have you here. Tonight I want to consider with you briefly the meaning of Jesus' death. Why the cross? There are many passages we could look at. There are many statements we could make, but I want to look at one of the most crucial texts in Scripture that sums up what Jesus was doing as He was suspended on the cross. We're going to be reading from Galatians 3, chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. So please follow along as I read, beginning in verse 13. "Christ redeemed us." from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. This is the word of the Lord. And Lord, we ask now that you would open our eyes, that you would... You would illumine our hearts to understand the glorious truth that is in your word. Amen. The main idea we see in our text tonight is that on the cross, Jesus took our curse that we might be set free and be blessed. I think that's very clear from the text. Two brief points that I want to draw from the text the curse and the blessing. First, the curse. In Galatians 3, Paul speaks of a, a curse. In verse 10, he says that all who rely on the law for their salvation stand under a curse. Anyone who bases their standing before God on their own obedience is walking through life with a curse hanging over their head from God, the holy and just lawgiver. Paul argues this by quoting from Deuteronomy 27, verse 26. He does this in Galatians 3, verse 10. In Deuteronomy 27, we are taken back when we read a listing of blessings and curses for God's covenant people, Israel. The people are given a ceremony that they are to perform once they go into the promised land, and they are to rehearse These blessings and curses. And I want want you to imagine this scene with me. Men and women and children, all of God's people separated. They go to two different mountains. They're divided and separated between the two. And they read out this list of blessings. And then the other people read out this list of cursings. And all the people are to respond to them. And the curses are the curses of the covenant that would come if they did not obey the law that God had given them. So we read in Deuteronomy 27, verse 18, Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother. And all the people were to shout, as this was proclaimed, they were to shout, Amen. Verse 23, Cursed be anyone who strikes down his neighbor in secret. And the people shouted, Amen. In verse 26, which is quoted, quoted here in Galatians 3, Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. Amen. Twelve curses that they would shout, and the people would all shout, Amen. This is the covenant given to the Jewish people. A promise of blessings. Blessings to all who, who would keep the whole law. And a promise of abundant curses that would overtake the people if they did not and if they failed to keep it all. And we know what happened. The, the curse fell on every single one of them because every single one of them failed to keep the law. And beyond the Jewish people, beyond the Israelites, Romans 1 and 2 teach us that God's law is written on everyone's heart and everyone has an understanding of right and wrong and because of this all are held accountable before God. Romans 3:23 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Scripture tells us that the law is holy, it is just, it is good, it is derived straight from the very nature of who God is, and yet it cannot save anyone. How can the law not save anyone? Because the law requires perfect obedience, complete, perfect obedience. It requires that we love God with all of our hearts and all of our souls and all of our minds and all of our strengths, which none of us in this room have ever done. And so the problem with the law is not the law. The problem with the law is us because we cannot obey it. And if we cannot keep the law, a curse of divine wrath hangs over us. And so this is Paul's point. He argues that outside of Christ, all stand under this curse. Even those who strive to obey the law, who strive to obey the law with their lives Are actually cursed by the very law that they are seeking to obey. And so, brothers and sisters, I don't I don't know about you, but I I read I read this language of curse, and I don't love the language of curses. Curses are harmful. They sound harsh, they sound awful. I don't, I don't typically hear that word tossed around too much outside of stories, but we see it here used. A, a curse means, means rejection. A curse means denial. It means someone who is denounced. And once a curse is on you, it cannot be removed unless somebody removes it from you. It's, it's shocking language that we see here. It, so shocking, it almost doesn't seem appropriate that God would curse people. To think that an omnipotent and just and holy eternal God would pronounce a curse on someone else, on lawbreakers, should shock us at our core. Scripture is clear that God rightly cannot look on sin. And so instead he directs his full wrath toward it that his righteousness might be vindicated. And so this means that the wonderful priestly blessing that we read in number six, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you. May his smile be upon you. When you're cursed, it's flipped around. So much so that you could read it in such a way that you could say the Lord curse you. The Lord turn his face from you. Give you no grace. Give you no peace. Give you no hope. That's what it means to be under the curse of God. And this is what we all must remind ourselves tonight. That that it is this curse that we, each one of us, must bear because of our sin, it's not simply that we missed the mark. It's not simply that we couldn't hold a standard. We missed the glory of God. We fell short of the glory of God. I, I, I sinned against the eternal holy God, and I stand, and I stood accursed. And one, listen, one sin could have done that. And you know what I did? I did it over and over and over and over again I sinned against the holy God and I am rightly I rightly was cursed as a result of it. Each one of us stands in the same place. And you and I we need to be liberated from a curse that hangs over us. And this is the wonderful the glorious truth of this text. The text says that it's only because Of Christ, that this curse can be removed. Verse 10 of Galatians 3 says, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. The good news of verse 13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus, the the sinless one, was beaten. He was first arrested in the darkness of night. He was beaten. He was scourged. He was led away by Roman soldiers like a criminal. He was made to carry the cross down a winding road. He was led outside of the city up to a hill where the outcasts go, where the criminals go, where the wicked go to die. And he was mocked. He was hanged on a tree next to two criminals. And he was hanged on the cross. And the cross is shameful. The Romans practiced crucifixion, but they would rarely, they would practice it on other people who were lawbreakers, but they would rarely even do it on their own citizens because it was so horrific. And the Jews, the Jews, when they heard the Christians, the early Christians proclaiming that this is the Messiah, this is the Christ who was, you know what happened to him? He was hanged on a tree. He died on a cross. The the Jews, they wouldn't have any of that because they knew their Bibles and they said, well, there's no way a Messiah can die on a cross. Deuteronomy 21:23, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And so they looked at Christ hanging on a tree and they said, that man, that man is cursed by God. That's a disgrace. All who walked by Jesus on the road as he was laying there, as he was hung on the cross, suspended, striving for every breath, they walked by him, and they would have immediately understood what was happening. That man right there who said he was Christ is under God's curse. And they got some of it right. I mean, look at look what Scripture says here. Christ became a curse. The very fact that Jesus hung on a tree demonstrated that he had been cursed by God. The very God who wrote, think about this, the very God who wrote in Deuteronomy Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Sovereignly ordained that the Christ would hang on a tree. Would hang on a cross. That he would send his son to hang on that cross. And so as he's hanging, as he's hanging on this cross, all those covenant curses that were screamed out and shouted out at the mountains, every single one of them fell on Jesus Christ. But this is what we must proclaim, that the the people who walked by Jesus on the cross completely missed, is we can say, yes, he was cursed. Jesus was cursed. But Christ became a curse for us. Christ became a curse for our sin, for my sin. And so we sit at the foot of the cross tonight and tomorrow and the next day, and we say, yes, he was cursed, and he was cursed for us. He was cursed for me. He was cursed for my sin. That's why he's there, because of my sin. And he did it for us. This is how Martin Luther described this passage. He said the whole emphasis is on the phrase, for us. If you want to underline something there, underline for us in your Bibles. He says, for Christ is innocent so far as his own person is concerned. Therefore, he should not have been hanged from the tree, but... Christ was to become the greatest thief, the greatest murderer, adulterer, robber, desecrator, blasphemer. There has never been anywhere else seen in the world. He's not acting in his own person now, and now he is the son of, he's not the son of God, born of the virgin. He is the sinner, who has and bears the sins of Paul, the former blasphemer, persecutor, and assaulter, of Peter, who denied Christ, of David, who was an adulterer and a murderer, and who caused the Gentiles to blaspheme the name of the Lord. In short, he has and he bears all the sins of men in his body. Not in the sense that he has committed them, but in the sense that he took these sins, committed by us upon his own body, in order to make satisfaction for them with his own blood. And this, Luther says, this is the most joyous of all doctrines and the ones that contains the most comfort. It teaches us that we have the indescribable and inestimable mercy and love of God on display at the cross. You see, at the center of the meeting of what the cross is all about is the substitution of Jesus Christ in our place. That God's holiness requires that those who disregard the law even one in one instance stand a curse. But God the Father in his, his indescribable, his inestimable mercy and love sent his son to willingly die for us. So what? So that the curse might be lifted out of the way. But that big old curse that stood in the way. Like a big rock blocking a stream could be moved out of the way so that God's grace and blessing could flow to us. Isaiah 53 says that he was stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Christ suffers that you might be blessed. And this was done in love. And so we stand, we may stand as a sinner, we may stand as a sufferer. Let's stand, let's see, let's behold his love for us. The father lovingly sends his son for the people he loves, and the son lovingly submits and dies for the people he loves. 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Listen, the, the cross that we proclaim each week, that we hang behind us in our sanctuary, it's a stumbling block to so many. It's a stumbling block for the Jews. It can be distorted beyond its meaning. Jesus can be said to be a good man who died a death as our example. He can, he can be taught as somebody who was oppressed so that we might go and serve those who are oppressed. Some might say that a God of love could never curse a son. These are distortions of what happened on the cross. We must see the curse and the curse bearer hanging on a tree for us to understand, to really understand deeply the depth of his love for us. We need to see the curse the curse of death and eternity outside of God's presence to see that this, this is the curse we all stand under outside of Christ to see that we cannot free ourselves. We can't do it through church attendance. We can't do it through our nice behavior or through our nice speech. We can't do it through the gifts we give to others in need. We cannot do it through any of our good works. We need to see that there is nothing that we can do. Our works don't work. And to see that this makes the good news all the more glorious and joyous. And as Luther says, a great comfort for our souls. Christ became a curse for us and redeems us from the curse. This is the good news of the cross, church. This is hope. This is where we see love. And children, children, you're, you're in this room. God's word is for you. And in many ways, it's simple. The message of the cross is so simple that I believe every one of you can understand this. That Christ died for your sins. And the call is to repent and to believe. And church, as simple as it is, when we put our whole Bibles together, the glory of the gospel shines. When we see that the curse, when we see the Old Testament sacrifices, when we see the Passover lamb all pointed to this moment when a loving God would send his son to perfectly obey the covenant law to atone for the sins of his people, the sin of us, the son absorbs and he becomes the curse that he might satisfy God's righteous wrath that stood on us. He sacrifices himself as a perfect substitute to fully to fully pay the ransom demanded also that we might now sit we might now stand here as the righteous redeemed we have been set free from the curse because Christ became a curse for us and why why were we set free verse 14 says that so that so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith, so that the Father's face that was turned against us because of the curse might be turned toward us in blessing. Point number two, the blessing. The other half of our text, this is the wonderful blessing for us. That if we are in Christ this evening, if we're united to him by faith, that we no longer stand under the curse. The curse is no more for us. We don't stand under it. So what is ours? Our sin, our curse is imputed. It's, it's all given to Christ. And what is his, his perfect righteousness is imputed. It's given to us. We have the blessing of Abraham. We have covenant blessing. And I think that means three things specifically. It means that through the curse cross that we're justified, that we have favor with God that we are counted righteous, that we have everlasting favor with God. We have complete pardon for our sin. It means that through the cursed cross, we are sons of God. The smile of God, which was impossible while the curse remained, is present on us now and tomorrow and forevermore. And through the cursed cross, we receive the Spirit. Our dead hearts Are regenerated, the curse is removed so that God might dwell with us, that he might indwell us, and we might fellowship in peace with God now and forever. Listen, in Christ, God's face is turned toward you to bless you. And if you're here tonight and you're listening, you're saying, I I don't I don't think I have that blessing. I don't think I'm blessed. What do I do? Verse 14 says this blessing comes through faith. What about my work? What about the good things that I do? What about the the, the things that I don't do? It's by faith. We trust in the one hanging on the tree who bore our curse for us and we walk that path to follow him. To trust in Christ means to be set free. So that means whether you're a thief, a liar, an adulterer, whether you're in the pit of despair, whether you're stuck in sexual sin, whatever sin that clings to you, we confess it and we repent it and we leave it behind at the cross. We leave it behind and we trust in Christ alone for our salvation. Trusting that he takes the curse for our sins, past, present, and future. He takes it on himself so that he... Might bless us. That's what Jesus is getting at when he says, It is finished. I love those words on the cross. It is finished. Paid in full. Curse born. Curse removed for you. No place anymore for filthy rags of good works to earn his favor. It never was going to work anyway. It is finished. And listen, if you haven't trusted Christ, You're under a curse that you must bear. And so I call you, I plead with you. Children, teens, adults, however you might come in this morning, this evening, cast yourself on the mercy of God and find freedom from the curse. Christ's arms are open wide They're open wide on the cross and they are beckoning you to come, to repent, to turn to him that he might pour out his mercy on you. There is full, there is free, there is abundant blessing for those who would receive Christ. And for those of us in Christ, God has poured out his blessing on you. And so let that stir up gratitude. Let that stir up praise tonight as we head home As we gather on Easter and in the days ahead, don't stop, don't move on from this gospel. Don't stop rehearsing it to you and yourself in thankfulness and in confidence because the gospel is the only hope we have and it is hope enough. It is hope enough for us. So church, see how Christ became a curse for you. Your great sin that held him on the cross, as we reflect on that tonight and see his great love for you. The song, How Vast the Love, calls us. Tonight, come gaze upon your Savior, and behold your great high priest, and draw near in awe and wonder. His cross has spoken peace. Come rest from sin and striving and find, what will we find when we do that? Find endless stores of grace endless stores of grace. Brothers and sisters, the blessings of Christ are proclaimed. They're shouted from heaven to you because someone else willingly took the curse on himself because someone else chose to stay on that cross to die in your place so that God might take out and take the curse on himself and might pour out his favor toward you and pour out his favor toward us. So church, the blessing of number six, it's flipped, it's a blessing, and it is all yours. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord, we do stand in awe and wonder that you would bear our curse that, that was ours to bear, the weight of sin that was ours to bear, that it was, it was up to us, we could do nothing about it, and yet God, out of your mercy and your love, you sent your Son, and Jesus, you willingly came to us I I don't know what to make of that, Lord, that you would do that. You would see us in our curse and you would not be content with allowing us to stay there. And you would provide liberation and freedom from that curse. So, Lord, I pray that we would find a renewed strength in knowing that we are blessed For those united in Christ, Lord, I pray for those who do not know you, that they would lay down their good works, that they would lay down their striving, they would lay down and repent of their sin, and that you would call them even tonight to put their faith in you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stand with me. We're going to remember Christ's death by sharing communion together, by taking the Lord's Supper together. We're going to do that after we sing the song. And I just want to invite you if you're a Christian, whether you go to this church, whether you're attending from another church, you've made a public proclamation in Jesus Christ. You are united to Him by faith. I want to invite you to this table. And as the elements are passed around, to take the elements. If you if you have not confessed Jesus as your savior, if you have not publicly declared your faith in him through baptism, you would say that you are not united to him by faith. We would ask you to refrain tonight from taking communion. And let the elements pass you by. This is what we're doing. When we take communion, we're admitting that we deserve the curse. What we deserve. Outside of Christ, we're all under it, but we turn and we look and we see Christ as our only hope who offers full redemption to us, to all who would come to him in repentance and faith, and we rehearse that again as we remember and proclaim what he did on the cross. So let's sing, and after that we'll take communion together. Mm.